This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. My name is RJ. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week we're dealing with doppelgangers and misguided postmodernism as we watch mm. Spine 199 of the Criterion Collection, Steven Soderbergh's Schizopolis from 1996. But first, mm. RJ, huh. you uh standing up right over there. You've been able to uh, avoid the the icy sidewalks and streets. Uh, I mean, I have. Um, it's a little icy, but I, I, I don't know if Al Gore was right or maybe he was wrong, but uh, we've got some weird weather over here, my friend. It's, it's been like uh, hot and snowing. cold. <laughs> yeah, snows on Monday, melts by Friday, and then uh, it's just an awful mess on all the days in between. Yeah, it, it brings me back to the early 2000s, and this was like, I it, it would literally, what you just say, snow dump hard on a Monday. Mm-hmm. By Friday, it was clear. Weekends were great, but you always knew that snow was coming. And he did that like pretty consistently for like three years during the winter, mm-hmm. and then we lost track of that. So I don't know. I'm kind of liking this return to what I consider a good winter, because I, I don't mind like the bad weather for a little bit, and then it lightens up. And then we it cycles through mm-hmm. rather than snow, snow. So you think it's a return to form, hey? Uh, I don't know. It seems mm-hmm. like it's a it's a pattern I recognize. We'll say though, uh, having a all time ridiculous amount of snow in September, mm-hmm. that that was kind of weird. I mean, it was a little strange. And now it's really kind of nice. Other than, I mean, ice storms. Psh, that that's commonplace around here. Well, I mean, none of the weather really affects us in any way, yeah. other than complaining about it. Exactly. But we're, we're used to those things. What's going on with you lately? Huh? Not much. Wow. <laughs> what about you? Uh, you know, I, I got I got some gripes for you. You know, I'm getting really fucking gripes. sick of. Classic gripes. Classic gripe Tyrion podcast. Uh, so you know how, like... You know how when you're at a restaurant and the the waitress is giving you the debit machine and they make they like force that small talk they're like what are you doing today? Oh, yeah. So uh, number one, I hate that because it's like I know I know you're you're just like making small talk and you're like oh it's awkward if you don't and it's like no I I would kind of prefer the silence I know that's just me maybe but so I I've never liked it with restaurant people but. Uh, I've noticed it's not just restaurant people anymore. I got it at the grocery store the other day, Jared. No kidding. Someone said, what are you doing? Or what are your plans for tonight? And I was like, well, you just saw me buy this huge pack of toilet paper, a McCain uh, freezer cake, and a case of beer. It's like, I wonder what uh, what you think the plan is tonight. Not mm. real beer, though, because we don't sell beer in grocery stores here. That was just a funny analogy for the story. Uh, so grocery stores, that was weird. But here's here's the real kicker, Jared. I was at a liquor store buying beer for real the other day because I don't real. know if you for, for real. I don't know if you know this. Uh, not for me, but I have some friends who like to indulge mm-hmm. in the libation, so I was getting them one. And uh, I was up there, and they're like, "What are your plans for tonight?" And I I wanted to be like, "What fucking business is it, is it of yours, man?" It's like if I want to sit in my basement alone, like crying and drinking <laughs> beer, like how how is that any of your business? You know. Yeah. Back like, off. Am, am I overreacting here? Because I, I found it like a huge invasion of my, my personal space. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? what? What business is my alcoholism of yours, sir? Yeah, exactly. I, take my money. 
you you would never get this in an old time drinking uh, saloon where it's like like you got the regular guys they're all sad and miserable mm-hmm. everyone's depressed they're, it's dark they have that hardening liver yeah no one would be like what are your plans tonight you know what their plans are they're gonna drink that whole case of beer and it's like so I don't need it at my liquor store either I found it very off putting and I've been getting it frequently and I'm just like stop it yeah, stop asking me what I'm doing tonight <laughs> every time I go every day. He's got to pull out the Marky Mark line of, mind your business, please. Mind your business, please. Uh, I usually hit them with the, when when they ask me, they're like, what are your plans tonight? I'm like, you're looking at it. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't hit it with that much uh. salt. I'm usually like, you're looking at it. And uh, one guy got it one time. He was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but most of them, they're like, yeah, nice. The guy uh, was like, at the liquor store was like, nice, going to have some beers, hey? I was like, no, I bought him to throw in the fucking dumpster. Like, I I don't know, Jerry. Yeah, I'm just. No, I, I feel you. I feel you. I've had that question, you know, on a on a Saturday night, hanging out with the boys. And you get this somebody asking, so what are your plans? Because I don't know. They're like, they, maybe they have to work all night, and they're just like, I wonder if there's anything cool happening I don't know about. And then you go, yeah, I'm just gonna go uh, back to this guy's house and watch uh, men in their underpants grapple around on some canvas. Ooh, I mean, I would be into that if you uh, if I asked you plans and that's what you said. You should just say that sometime. Just like that, too. Just like that. Yep. Do you think that ever backfires on them where someone's like, where like a waitress or a waiter would be like, what are your plans tonight? And some weird old dude was like, well, I thought I'd come back when you were done work. Oh, man. You know it does. And... Yeah. Do you think that person's ever, ever dropped that line again after it's happened? I hope not. Was that? It? But maybe they're told. Maybe they're encouraged. Maybe they're forced maybe. by their employer. Maybe. Maybe I'm judging them. But liquor store for sure. Yeah, Nobody is on. telling them to do that. Come on. Nobody. So uh, on that note, Jared, what are uh, what are your plans for tonight? <laughs> You're looking at it. Oh. And you know what? If I was told that, I would leave it alone. I'd say, you know what? I can tell. No, you don't want to be bothered. <laughs> See you later, buddy. Just keep recording that podcast, bud. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, RJ. Yes. We got some emails to attend to. Oh, is that what we're doing tonight? I guess so. That's what we're doing tonight. First up, Justin Peterson. Ooh. Hey, Jared and RJ. What's happening? Skitsopolis Week has finally arrived, and I look forward to seeing if you think this movie was as much of a mess as I did. Not sure if my two-and-a-half-star rating will make the cut for who hates this movie, so here is the lead for my review. Too much of a clusterfuck for me to be compelled to analyze. Not funny enough to be redeemable. Well. Mm. I mean, I mean, there you have it. Strong words. Strong mm-hmm. words. Yes. Uh, go to movie question of the week. Picking up on last week's sad bastard conversation, which one is your greatest of all time? I guess I would go with adaptation since it is based on a real sad bastard, right? Hmm. You're you're the oh, professional. Oh man, boy, I better uh, consult the the list. <laughs> yeah, I think I might have to have a peek at your list too because I'm not totally entirely sure what it constitutes these sad bastards. I know. Does anyone know anymore? Let's go. Letterbox is being slow today, it seems. It's uh maybe they're about to go under maintenance and we're just not gonna find out. There oh. we go. Wow, it's almost at a thousand likes. <laughs> Ooh. People must really relate to that thing, eh? Oh they do. 
We're all sad mm. bastards at heart. And we're yes. all, but we are definitely all losers. Okay. Average high, my highest first. Let's see here. This is going to be based on most recent viewings. Beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop, boop. Mm. Ooh, let's see here. We got uh, American Movie. Ah, I mean, that's a quality film, 100%. Yeah. Is that a sad bastard film? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. It, it's, uh, okay. it checks all those boxes. Uh, mm-hmm. Barfly. Ooh, that one's pretty high up there, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Crumb. Crumb's got all the dressings of that. I mean, mm-hmm. Boogie Nights. Ooh. I mean, some good picks. Basically, all my favorite movies uh, basically for, have kind of checked those boxes in some way. I'm going to throw you a curveball. Yep. I'm going to say Bowfinger. Okay. By director Frank Oz. You know you know that movie yeah. here? Yeah, I do. I saw, yeah, the, I like I saw, I saw that. I saw that bad boy in theater. Good. I, I bet that would have been a very good experience for you. And uh, it was pretty good. And, yeah. oh, uh, Punch Drunk Love. Ooh, what's... Well, Hard to compete with that. I just heard a big bang in upstairs. No, maybe. I wonder if one of my cats fell. <laughs> what the hell? Can you? I don't. I don't hear anything. I feel like someone's breaking in my house. That's possible. Well, if they are, I'll find out about it. I guess. That's oh, right. Maybe maybe they're uh, playing with your internet too. It's Justin continues. Finally, some possible newer movie recommendations for you guys. If you all, if you all the time, I would be interested here. If you have the time. Okay, that's probably what I meant. If you have mm-hmm. the time, I would be interested to hear what RJ thinks of Crawl from 2019 and the house that Jack built from 2018 for Jarrett. Well, uh, I am looking forward to watching the house that Jack built uh, as I'm a Lars von Trier'sman and uh, just waiting for the Blu-ray of the director's cut that comes out in February. So I will be definitely watching mm. it then. You're going you're gonna to watch that Crawl, yeah. that, that alligator movie or crocodile movie? <laughs> Whoa. Are things getting really I mean, bad? All... Are things getting what, really bad? I can hear Uh-oh. anything. You Can you not hear me? I, 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 it was doing nothing. Oh. Uh, what about now? Am now, I coming in now nice and clear? Now it's fine, but there was a big delay there. Okay. Uh, well, what I said was that I think all signs would point that I would not like this movie. Um, Alexander Aha. Like, Horns is okay, but... Uh, mm, debatable. I like I I like the source material, so Horns is okay. But Hills Have Eyes, I'm not a huge fan of, and High Tension is not a movie I like. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I think like I mean I was mildly interested in this when it comes out. If it goes on like Crave or Netflix or something, I'll check it out. Oh, I might. Yeah. And then uh, just in case, in return, uh, should I creeps report on Axiom Maximus, Kill List, or Angst for next week? Hmm. Where does angst come from? Oh, angst. Angst is some uh, some real ghoul cinema. Oh, okay. And I don't. Uh, angst is like quite a interesting movie made like on a technical level, but mm. it, you are inside the mind of a killer as he goes around and kills this poor family, and uh, it's gorgeous to look at. It's like it's got these incredible tracking shots, but mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, one of uh, Gaspar Noé's favorite movies. So. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. There's some praise. Uh, Kill List, though, I think it would be a very solid pick. Yeah, I mean, Kill List is an actual like good movie. Yeah. Uh, Actia Maximus, it's like 
I think you got to be in a certain kind of place to watch that thing. Not that it's like provoking or stimulating in any way, but I think you really got to be in the mood. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. So don't just throw that fucker on in like any day of the week. You have to plan that and be like, I'm watching this and I want to watch this. If that makes sense. I think that's a vote for kill list. Kill list. Yeah. Go for that one. Thanks for the time, guys, and have a fucking awesome time talking about Skizopolis. Okay. So so encouraging. Uh, I'm going to try. Okay. Next, Oliver Granger. Ooh, baby. Worst letterboxed review. Frank recently, so Frank Solano, recently watched Syndromes and a Century. Reminded me of my least favorite review line ever found on that film's letterbox page. Uh, Quote, I'm continually impressed with how why Arasafakal resists the dogmatism of his dichotomies? Huh. Huh. What kind of person do you think wrote that, Jer? What do you think their uh, nine to five is? Well, let's just strip out that uh, tough last name here. I'm continually impressed with how Balog resists the dogmatism of his dichotomies. Oh, well, I mean, it makes sense in my, like, when you use it in my sense because no. i don't know if you know jared but i am a man of multitudes a man of letters letters numbers i mean heck even some numbers and letters together if you've ever seen that's pretty bad do you have any uh like most hated thing is it synopses or just reviews this is uh this is a review line uh, well, I mean, okay. we, we, I don't know if you're aware, there's a podcast, uh, it's called the Criterion Creeps. And at the end of every review, mm. they do a bit where they talk about people who hate movies. You could pretty yes. well go through that and find all sorts of examples of, uh, least favorite mm. review lines. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I've never heard, I don't listen to podcasts, but uh, I'll yeah. take your word for it. If you, if you think it's good, I, I'll, I trust you. P.S. Nocturnal mm-hmm. Animals is great. But my screening was heightened as the cinema's air conditioning wasn't working. We were all sweaty and uncomfortable. Made the film more suspenseful. I forgot about the art world mockery stuff, though. Of course, Jared would hate that. See, it's not the mockery. It's the presentation of it. It's, it doesn't need to be mocked. <laughs> Just want to be clear. But in, okay. his de- in his defense, Tom Ford is a fashion designer, so he lives the world he is mocking. Not sure if it makes it better, but it's not some outsider poking fun at it, which that terrible buzzcock chainsaw, whatever it was called, felt like. Um, mm. Yeah, but is he? Is he? Uh, I, I have no opinion on this, yeah, so I you're going to have to take the complete reins on this bad boy. Uh, yeah, I'd have, to, I'd have to know more about this Tom Ford because... Just being a fashion designer doesn't mean you're part of that art world, but you're part of a, a whole different sect altogether. And being part of that, ugh, ugh. Well, I mean, at least it's not poetry. It's the lowest art form. <laughs> truth, RJ, truth. Agreed. Finally, Frank Solano. Ooh, baby. Some, some catching up to do, his email's entitled. Mm-hmm. Hey there, creeps and creepers. It's been a while. So recently I was sick, and I remember that the last time I felt under the weather, I had Jared and RJ kill off a few famed directors. Jared (laughs) calling Wes Anderson a twee bastard continues to brighten my day. 
and say mm-hmm. a few moderately difficult to pronounce names. So it looks like I have a few games for my compadres, but fun and games will have to wait a moment. So I may speak a little on my absence and a few other great things that have been happening. So my recent absence from the mailbag of the greatest show on this side of the universe has been due to Ooh. two things, my work on my motion comic series and well, pure laziness. It's strange really how, Ooh. despite being unoccupied with work, I managed to fill my days with little chores and sometimes film viewing. Also, I'm very particular about things and I hadn't had any good stories to tell in a while. Mm-hmm. That being said, Sam's question from last week reminded me about the time I was in third grade and I was tasked with bringing a movie for the entire class to watch. My nine-year-old brain decided that the direct-to-DVD cinema masterpiece that is Ben 10, Race Against Time, would be the <laughs> perfect pick. And somehow nice. I managed to become a class hero for choosing such a great film. I wasn't able to replicate my success the following year when tasked again with bringing something good. I chose Michael Bay's Transformers. Oh boy. Hmm. So good pick. So my first question, if you were tasked with showing a film to a class of third graders, what film would you screen? Then if it was a class of high school seniors, what would be the pick? Well, Jared, do you have any answers there for a uh, friend of the show, Frank Solano? Uh, no, I'm trying to think of what was what was I into in third grade? Ninja Turtles? I, was pretty, I think that that was uh, still a staple of my childhood. I actually really I wasn't much of like a passionate movie watcher at that point. I watched mm-hmm. cartoons a lot, mm-hmm. so um, something animated probably. Yeah, uh, I think those kids like those Pixar's. Yeah, kids like Pixar's. Um, Look at my stuff. Like when I was when I was in the third grade, mm-hmm. the the thing that would be most recent maybe maybe Batman, one of the animated things. Okay. Not maybe Mask of the Phantasm, but you know how they used to package those single episodes together. Because I was a kid, I wouldn't know that it wasn't a movie. I'd be like, hey, let's watch this. What I'm more interested in is that Frank said we were the best podcast on this side of the universe. What's uh what's the best one on the other side? Well, it's infinite, RJ. Jared. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there's lots of like kids' movies that we talk about. What about the Sandlot? Let's go with the Sandlot or heavyweights. <laughs> How about high school seniors? Heavyweights. All right then. I'm doubling down. I'm going to say heavyweights for both elementary kids and for high school seniors. It's a film for all seasons. Yes. Yeah. And people. Frank's decided on his answer to both questions. His choice would be capes. Oh, really? I heard there were some developments in the capes. Uh, ah, yes, capes. The most highly sought after treasure in this world. It's not the universe. Some fans may not know that I recently dug up the vile depths of the web, a most precious jewel. The trailer for capes. Hopefully you've all had a chance to see it. I've seen it like four times. (laughs) Oh, God. Yet again, I can't stress enough my anticipation for a potential release. Fingers crossed until the day I die. For my follow-up non-film-related question, what is the strangest recipe that, upon your death, you should grant the world as a gift to mankind? Um, I feel like his uh, his his hopes for capes are, aren't going to live up to it when when that movie does leak out. When it yeah, when it just appears one day. Well, isn't there some people in the world who own copies of this movie? Oh. Uh... I don't think so. There might be oh. like there might be a screener floating around somewhere in the wilds. Oh, did you submit one to Sundance? I did not. Oh, 
I don't think I ever actually submitted it to any film festivals. What? Do, why not? Why? Why not? Uh no particular reason. I this never happened. And then I was like, time to move on to something else. Even though I mean, there's people mm-hmm. who went to that original screening, RJ, who when they see me, hey, uh, did you ever uh, make a DVD of that? It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> that was that was a lifetime ago. Come on. I think you should make a DVD of that. I'll watch it. Mm. Maybe. Uh, what was the other question or recipe? Str- strangest recipe that upon your death you should grant the world as a gift. I mean, I've mentioned it before. I don't need to be dead. Uh, I do that weird thing with um, macaroni hot dog and V8 juice. Uh, yeah. I think it's delicious. I'll, I'll make you it one day if you're interested. Most people aren't. Uh, I'll make it for anyone, but most people say no. So, hmm. I mean, it could be a Patreon goal. If you if you pay money, I'll I'll make it and I'll 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 deliver or like I'll mail it to you. You'll, oh, you'll mail it. If that makes sense. Sh- sure. Ah, <laughs> uh, strange recipes. I don't know. I'm not inventive enough to have anything too wild. Um, I'm pretty okay with uh, I don't know. What's going on over there? Hello? What are you doing well, over my, there? Uh, I think my internet went out. I don't think so. Uh, okay, can you can you hear me now? Yeah. I couldn't hear you for a while. The last I stopped talking, and then the last thing I heard was you said inventive. Okay. So, uh, did you have any recipes, or no? Not, you not really. No. Okay. I've got nothing. What would you want though? Like, like not something the, you've from, made before from the world. Yeah. What's something crazy that you you're like? I want to try that. Oh, god damn. I don't know. Like, it's nothing wild, but uh, I've never made risotto. Oh, I, I've made that. If you want, you can. Uh, we can get together. It can be a Patreon goal. We can live stream uh, me showing you how to make risotto. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, not, it's not that bad. No, I, I've, I, no, it's always one of those things that uh, I think I remember watching uh, Kitchen Nightmares or uh, whatever, Gordon Ramsay stuff, yeah. and that seemed to be always like one of those uh, dishes. And I was like, yeah. oh, that seems like a good, something I could make, and I just never did. Yeah, it's, it's not that hard. It just it requires that you actually do it. Like you just have to sit there and stir that fucking thing for like an hour. And I think that's what people because people get lazy and they're like, oh, I'm going to leave it for like a couple of minutes. And then they fuck but it up. No. Yeah. And then it burns. So it's not that hard. It's just it requires attention. You just have to actually try. Also, in response to RJ's ah. question about whether I could deliver some Sopranos-related memes, I'm not really much into mm-hmm. meme culture, but I've been reminded uh-huh. of a few great quotes from YouTube comments sections, such as, he never had the makings of a varsity player. Don't know if that helps any at all. I mean, it helps. it's a start. It's a start, but uh, I, I'd be pretty disappointed if I didn't have... I don't know. I don't know why everyone's not into memes, Jer. And now, Why are you not into memes? Oh. <laughs> and now to the games. Oh, okay. Life and mostly death. Two die, one lives. These are the rules. All right. Okay. Spielberg, the Coens, or John Carpenter? Um, I don't care about Spielberg, and John Carpenter's really old, so. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I, I, I for sure kill old Steve. Yeah. You ever, you ever seen Hook? Yeah. I've... <laughs> I've seen Hook. Okay. So Cohen's it is. Uh, yep. Kurosawa, Godard, or Bergman. Well, they're all dead. 
They are all dead. So maybe the question should be if you could bring one of them back from uh, the I dead. See, I see. Which would you bring back, Jer? So that, that changes everything. Mm. Well, I think Guitar's actually still going. <laughs> oh, is he still alive? Yeah. Okay, well, but if he was dead. If, which he, one... if, if uh, he was alive and if yeah. I, I, could, I could swap him out. Yeah. Um... Oh, he is alive. <laughs> he is still alive. Yeah, okay. Um, nice. it's one of those guys that just slips through the cracks. It's like, oh, we haven't got him yet. He's eighty-eight. Wow. Uh, I would say, um, I don't know. I'm stuck with Brendan and Kurosawa. I Can I just say one of them is alive for one year and one of them is alive for a, a, a different year? Hmm. Does that work? I don't know. Is that a cop out? I don't. Who am I to choose who lives and dies? Am I a god? Maybe. Of pod, if you try pod, hard enough. Of poddom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, no answer on that one. <laughs> what else you got? I, 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 that's it. Oh, those are the only two? Yep. Huh. And what would you do if it was between... a wonderful week. Well, thank you, Frank. Thank, Thank you. you to everyone who emailed in. Jared, what would you do if it was between you and me, if you had to kill one of us? Would you kill yourself or would you kill me? Hey, RJ. What you been creeping yes. on this week? Oh, so kind of you to ask. So I was like, I was looking at stuff and I was like, what should I watch this week, man? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And then Jared was like, hey, I'm going to watch a movie with uh, Willem Dafoe and uh, it's got a lighthouse in it and um, it's about the ocean and stuff. And I was like, okay, I'll try to like plan this out correctly and uh, I'll watch the same movie as Jared did. Uh, So I watched this movie called Aquaman. Oh, yeah. That's got Willem Dafoe and a lighthouse and an ocean in it. Really? Yeah. There's also the I think there's a lot of farting in this movie. Aquaman? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, not actually farting. Like, um, as Frank Solano pointed out, uh, Aquaman smells his armpit underwater in it. So hmm. it's pretty interesting. You ever heard of Aquaman, Jer? I have definitely heard of Aquaman. And uh, it's one of those movies that you were threatening to make me go see with you in theater. Uh, it's true. I can uh, I can say now, I think it was the better decision for us not to go to this in theaters. Uh, but after you've seen Willem Dafoe, and I think you were pretty hot on that movie, are you interested in more Willem Dafoe aquatic action? <laughs> if he, well, if only it were just Willem Dafoe riding around on that like dolphin or whatever he is, that yeah, shark. It's it's a hammerhead shark. Okay. So does that interest you a little bit more? What is how much of that is there in Aquaman? Oh. A pretty fair bit, to be honest. I mean, he's on the Hammerhead Shark for probably a solid three minutes. Oh, wow. But this movie's two hours and 12 minutes long. Okay. So still, yeah, okay. You get a lot of, like, shark riding and stuff like that. There's mm-hmm. a whole army of people that ride sharks. And then Dolph Lundgren runs a group of people who ride seahorses. Hmm. And you say that's uh, how you know they're the good guys? Because they're seahorses yeah. against sharks? Yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. There's also some crab people. Uh, and they're bad because they um, they don't look like normal people. So this movie is based on like it's kind of like judge how people look, if you know what I mean. I see. Is that why so it's so popular? Maybe. Yeah. There's these crab people, and then there's others. Uh, so here's the thing, Jer. 
um, I'm a little bit confused as to this movie's positive reception. Mostly positive reception. Yeah. So up front, uh, I like Aquaman. You 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 are an Aquaman fan. I am an Aquaman fan. Aquaman T-shirt. I do. Uh, And as bad as that is to say, you can you can even uh, testify for me. I've owned that T-shirt for a number of years before this movie was even in development. That's right. So so, uh, I I've been into that Aquaman for a while. This movie is very odd, Jer. <laughs> it's very odd. Like it's. I think if you watch this movie, you would probably give it one star. Okay, is my yeah, guess. That sounds that sounds accurate. It's like it's this weird mix. Like there, some of the scenes are really nice, and you can tell like a lot of work went into it. And then some of the stuff is like, what the fuck is going on in this thing? So let me lay it out for you, Jer. It's uh, it's the typical Aquaman origin story where like the Atlantean queen comes and then has a baby and then it's Arthur he lives on land and then he goes back into the ocean. Okay, done and done, right? But then you have like, so I think they did something like that was actually kind of smart where they made Atlantis kind of it's basically outer space, but in the ocean. Okay. So it's like this whole world and they all like even though they can swim underwater they all have like uh spaceship cars like submarine cars i guess we can walk but we have cars well it's blowing my mind okay so they have like it's it's like outer space but underwater uh and there's like lots of colors and they kind of like say that it's because of like bioluminescence and how these things can like see under like they can see underwater and things emit light underwater different so it's all this very bright color and it kind of reminded me of uh some of those early star wars movies not the early in our time but those prequel star wars movies it kind of reminded me of those a little bit so you have that those and you have all these like very very comic book cartoonish characters like patrick wilson plays ocean master and he he's he's like mustache twirling bad guy kind of stuff in this and he's always riding on this like gigantic dinosaur like thing dinosaur patrick wilson is making that noise as he like does evil schemes uh lots of evil schemes in this movie Drew. lots of evil schemes uh i think if you were six years old this would a hundred percent be your favorite movie. And I don't mean that like to say that this is like, it's a bad movie that it's for kids or anything. But I, I mean like if you're a little kid, I bet this would be, this movie would fucking blow your mind. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? I, uh, I hear ya. So you get lots of cool stuff. Like you do get, uh, I do think it was kind of, it was good that they went with the, like, this different world and all this unique things uh, and all these different species. They're all riding like fish and different like aquatic animals and things like that. It's all like all the elements are there. I just think this thing doesn't really come together very well. Uh, one of the big things, and uh, I'm probably going to get some heat for this year. Jason Momoa is not a good actor. As, as people said he is. I think people have tur- like turned on him or not turned on him like turned for him because i think his real life persona is better than any of his acting is so i think people give him a break because of that 
Because in real life, he's like this cool dude who drinks Guinness and rides motorbikes and always is doing the hang loose sign and stuff like that. That's, like, so, oh, look that's at- so cool. I, I think that's what people think is cool, Jer. You ever do the hang loose sign? There you go. He's doing it, guys. Yeah. So I think I think that's actually like most of it. But he's he's just not a good actor. Like, Or I don't know if it's... Because part of it is the lines. This movie's got super cheesy lines, and that's what I mean. It's a kids movie, through and through, and that's fine. So I'm not a little kid. I don't I don't need to judge it with um, adult eyes on that. It's it's kind of like all the things with the storyline play out exactly what you how you would expect. So the lines are always like, "Who are you?" And it's like, "Don't you remember? You killed my father." It's like, "Does this jog your memory?" And it's like. Like, that sounds really dumb, but that's kind of what the lines are in this movie. So you have, like, lots of shit like that going on. And then uh, soundtrack's kind of strange. Like, it goes from synth, like, Depeche Mode and, like, things of that nature. And then this fucking movie has a Sigur Ross song in it. Like, it's this prestige Wes Anderson movie like where it's, like, the lighthouse and snow falls and it turns over, like, a snow globe or some some <laughs> shit like that. And I was like... I was like, I mean, I'll get, I'll give it to him for trying, but I was like, I don't know if this is the place for this, you guys. So it's kind of like all over the place. It's definitely a kids movie. Uh, and <laughs> you said I, that three times, I think now. It, it is more. <laughs> I think this movie would blow your fucking pants off, Jer. Just my like, pants. Just your pants. I, I would actually be super, super curious to see what your take is on this. I don't know if you would outright hate it, but I think. I would actually just be interested to see what you what you think because it is like it's kind of odd <laughs> that this movie was allowed to be made. <laughs> Interesting. So it's, yeah. it's it's no Hellboy. Uh, I mean, I still think Hellboy is better than this. I would watch wow. Hellboy again over this thing. And and like I don't know, I don't I don't think this thing's outright bad either. Like it's got elements of good movies in there. Um, I'm just, I just, I don't know. I wasn't really into it. I thought it was pretty corny. It was like, ugh, this goofy ass shit going on in here. Like, uh, I don't know. And yeah, Jason Momoa is not that good. Amber Heard is here. She's trying, trying her best. Willem Dafoe is trying his best, man. Like Dolph Lundgren's not bad. Um, the guy who plays Black Manta, he's fine too. But I don't know. I don't know, Jer. You know, I hear you. No, man, it's very, very weird. I don't know. I think you should watch this with your with your buds one night and uh, oh. see see what the boys think. Uh, well, I know some of the people I would see this with have already seen it, and they seem to be more positive on it than you. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's uh, am I a weird bad person for liking the new Hellboy and not Aquaman? Maybe. But I don't know. I feel like this someone someone else who I have on Letterboxd, I can't remember who it was, I think kind of summarized it better than I could. And they're like, I'm unsure of why this movie gets a free pass. It's like, what, what's going on here? And I feel like that was the same with Wonder Woman, right? Because Wonder Woman was like, I didn't think it was that good. But it, it had like a 90% rating like across the internet. And I was like, huh. I was like, am I becoming out of touch now? <laughs> or like, what's going on here? 
don't know. It's it's weird. I, I I'd like you to watch it one day. I I doubt you ever will. But uh, this is this is pretty well. That's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a try. So I watched one movie, and then uh, we finished the leftovers. Okay. So uh, I don't know if you want me to talk about that at all, or you can uh, uh, give me a briefly br- broad strokes of that. It's good. Yeah. Uh, I don't think this is the second coming of uh, everything. Like it seems, other people seem, and, and like not to put that down or other people down either. It's just uh, it's a very good show. Um, it's not up there with any of my favorites or anything like that. I might watch it again one day and might get more out of it. I think it's it's the right kind of Damon Lindelof where he does just enough weird, wild stuff, but it's not too over the top. Like, um, I think what people got mad at him for Lost because it's it's a little bit more grounded, even when they get into some of the uh, some of the wilder stuff. It's just about grief and Lost, Jer, and about belief. Oh, oh, you know, all, that's all. That's your wheelhouse. It is my wheelhouse. No, yeah, like I, I, I did really like it. It's just it, it didn't, uh, didn't blow all of my dicks off. Mm. Maybe one of them, but not all of them. Right. Uh, yeah, all the grief and loss stuff is really good, and uh, I think you would get something out of. Uh, they play at religion a lot and what people believe in, and kind of looking f- at elements of that. The fraud of it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I'm in definitely in the minority here in saying that I think season one is probably the best. Uh, it seems like nobody likes season one nearly as much as they like season two and three. But uh, I actually, I kind of, I couldn't really get into season two. I, I felt like it went into, they like move towns and then you get introduced to these new people. And uh, the main, like the main antagonist for season two, uh, I just really didn't like him. Like I thought he was kind of a bad actor and I... They, I think they try to make him like an anti-hero is like, well, what is what he's doing bad or is it good? And I, I just I didn't buy it ever. I was like, this guy sucks. I was like, and then he has like a, re- a redemption arc in the next season. And I was like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe that's how people are in real life and things <laughs> with, like that. With redemption arcs? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that's more realistic to real life, but I do, I do like all the, um, all this stuff about people just dealing with shit, like real life, sad ass shit. And then it even when it does get into the kind of metaphysical stuff or however you want to say that, I, I thought that was all really cool too. Hey, you want to play a fun drinking game, Jared? If you were to take a drink anytime somebody cried or you saw Justin throw with his shirt off, you would be fucking dead in 10 minutes. Oh man. Because... That is like I, I'd say there's at least two shirtless Justin Thoreau scenes in a single episode. Does at he? Least two. But is he crying? Oh, sometimes yeah. he's crying and shirtless. That's sometimes wow. it's one or the other. So, what, so what do you do then for the drinking game? You finish your drink, wherever it's at. It's like whatever, when whatever, you're on, wherever when you're it's on the, at. When you're on the next bottle, you're just like, oh yep. no. Well, if you're playing with shots, I mean, you could play it with beer and you'd still get pretty fucked up. But yeah, you uh, have a beer on the side. And then if Justin Thoreau is shirtless and crying, then you got to you got to finish your drink or something. You, you'd be fucking dead, dude. You'd be dead. There's so much crying in this. thing. You do see a lot of knobs. Too. Can you say that again? Like a lot of knobs. I see. Okay. Four knobs. <laughs> Anyway, anyways, do you want to hear what we started next? I won't talk about it, but what? What? We, uh, not, not Deadwood. 
not Deadwood. Uh, we started The Handmaid's Tale because Andrew oh, okay. wanted to watch that. Yeah. Uh, and I gotta say, man, this um, this things look every episode we watch. I'm just like, man, they got it right here. This society looks great. All the stuff they're doing, wow, <laughs> terrific, so good. Yeah. Um, Back to basics. No, wait, we're right only a, there, RJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're only a few episodes in. It's 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 very good. So we'll we'll give that uh, our Canadian girl Margaret Atwood a shot here. Uh, yeah. It's very good. So I'll report back one day. Yeah, I've got the DVDs of that upstairs too. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's good. I like it. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, leftovers is it's very good. I think you you would like it quite a bit. Well, RJ. Sure. Yes. I watched a TV show this weekend. Huh? Huh? Which one? I watched The Terror season one. It's a it's because a dope because damn time. there really needed to be a second season. Uh, I uh, mean, I, I think the second season is not even related, right? No, it's, it's about like a, a Japanese internment camp. camp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah. Well, tell me what you thought of the terror because uh, I so, thought you would like it a lot. Yeah. So uh, a little bit of a preamble. Uh, uh-huh. I I've done a lot of reading and research mm-hmm. on the Franklin expedition. Uh, yes. I've kind of entertained the idea of making a project about it, film project. So I always kind of wanted to avoid reading Dan Simmons' uh, The Terror, and I was kind of like excited that I wouldn't have to read it because now there was going to be a film adaptation, uh, the AMC right. miniseries. And then I was still in mind, well, I should probably avoid watching that too because what if I actually do this project that's been on my mind for like 10 years on and off? Yep. So I was finally convinced, RJ, because I had some time, and I watched The Terror. And yes, uh, I remember you would tell me, because when, 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 you were talking about the show last year when it yeah. was airing week to week. Because I remember mm-hmm. you said it started off strong, and then it kind of petered out, but it was still a recommend. Does that, yep. does that sound right? Well, I think I think uh, the thing that what it was most with me is I thought the first three, four episodes were very good. And then I think like the last episode where they kind of ended off, I was like, I thought it could have been stronger, but yeah, basically what you said, I think it starts very strong. Okay. So I, I, you, you watched it week to week. I watched it all mm-hmm. in the course of three days. Okay. And uh, so I thought the first three episodes, uh, I was watching it like kind of very closely kind of with what my mind would be like what I would do. Mm-hmm. And it's so different. It's actually surprising. Uh, how they decided to do it. It's it's still like, it feels like prestige TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, the casting is awesome. Like it's yes. like, it's so good. Because uh, like I've looked at those like daguerreotypes and reproductions of what the uh, the actual people looked like. And that's what, I mean, Dan Simmons, Simons, whatever it is, he did his yep. research and it's all like based on like the available evidence. And then it obviously uh, diverts as it has, mm-hmm. you know, supernatural polar bears with people faces that kill people like nobody's business. Yes. So the first three episodes I watched and my notes at the time were like, oh, it, it doesn't feel cold enough. It, it never feels, uh. it, it never feels like they're in the Arctic to me because they're walking mm-hmm. around and they're like, you know, petticoats, like their wool jackets. And they're like, they're, they're never like that cold. The actors don't mm-hmm. look cold. So I was like, what, what am I going to do? Put them in a refrigerator? Like, keep them so they're on these sets that have constant cold air so the breath is not CGI. Mm-hmm. These little things that um, are probably unrealistic. But, I mean, if anyone was going to be able to pull it off, you think TV would be able to do it at least. And they only have to do these 10 episodes. Just put it all mm-hmm. there. 
Um, so I, I was watching it and I was like, oh, they're, they're making Crozier like the main character who Jared Harris mm-hmm. plays. I'm like, that's interesting. And maybe they're making uh, Sir Franklin a little, a little dumber than he's giving him credit for it. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bumbly, but I mean, that's kind of how TV works. That's how narratives work. So mm-hmm. I think at the time, after I watched the first three episodes, I was really marveling at how like violent and gruesome this show is. Like, yeah. I, I could not believe how like much they would show. Because <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I imagine that Walking Dead probably had a lot to do with that. Because Walking Dead was, had been on prior to this and was opening mm-hmm. up the doors to like what you could do to a human body and still broadcast yeah. it on like basic cable. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just coming off of Creeptober this terror is more violent uh, than like yes. any of the horror movies I've watched this like last month. Like, wh- like it's way worse than most slashers. There's a scene where the top half of a man's head is kind of like found on the ground and they film it from like the inside of the mouth, like, or they, they, you can see like the inside, like the top of the roof of the mouth mm-hmm. and it looks great. Like it's, yeah. it's like, that's kind of what it looks like. Oh, <laughs> it's like, good God. And uh, the way that, uh, spoilers, Sir Franklin is uh, d- disposed of is so yeah. horrific. It's like, oh my God. Because in the historical records, it's like, he died. Yep. And uh, that's it. And this is like, oh no. He goes out and you get like some grotesque leg wounds and oh, his death is like really uh, creepy. So then, yep. RJ, so that was the first three episodes. I was kind of like, eh, it's not bad. I'll probably finish watching it. But for me, from that point forward, Episodes four through ten, that's gets into the stuff that I was wanting in my Franklin Expedition story. I wanted people starving to death. I wanted people coming down with the scurvy, mm-hmm. lead poisoning, madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like frostbitten faces. I wanted them when they put like a little uh, spyglass to their face that's metal. When yeah. They go to, when they tear, go to take it off, it just rips off a piece of skin because they're absentmindedly <laughs> thinking they still live in a temperate world. It's like, no, you're mm-hmm. living in the fucking Arctic. And then, uh, oh, shit, we're fighting the goddamn polar bear monster. Better aim the, the mini cannon and try to take it out. And the guy's like, oh, it's not the right angle. Push my hand up to it. And then he moves his hand. He just tears off a huge, huge chunk of his skin off his hand. And I was like, mm-hmm. yes. Yes, I want more of this. And then I want to hear about how the food's running out. <laughs> yep. all, all those all those wonderful things. So one, one of the myths that this uh, series propagates, which is fine, is that uh, this is new, though, too, that the uh, the lead poisoning from the three famous bodies, I think it's only the three mm-hmm. bodies, that they uh, excavated, whatever it was, 30 years ago, and they found them and they had been, like, preserved. And uh, it was like, what's up with this? And they found they were highly contained with lead. And then it was like, oh, these cans of food, they like, the sealant on them must have been bad. And it was all from the lead of the canning. And that's what led to them probably getting unhealthy. Mm-hmm. But apparently, uh, the actual pipes of the ship that people were getting their drinking water from those were also lead so i probably that mm. that, that might have had a uh, a lot a lot more to do with it too but yeah. but that's fine i mean that's just like a tiny little like oh i didn't even know that till i was like reading some uh some people's think pieces on the terror mm-hmm. so for me rj this show really started to get better and better as it went on and i thought nice. the last episode was awesome i think it was so good it's nice. it's so it's so dark everyone's fucked 
it's like mm-hmm. it is such a bummer episode and i was like man i can't believe they did this <laughs> like it, 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 there's no happy ending it's just like oh mm-hmm. everyone's everyone's gone and uh which is i, I mean that's the only way you can tell this story because there was mm-hmm. no, there there was no one um but yeah i uh i like i really like this a lot and one of the interesting things that i didn't even notice uh so the guy who plays hickey who's kind of the, the human villain oh, yeah. uh that mm-hmm. same actor is the firefighter who is the one of the first responders from Chernobyl. Chernobyl? Yeah, I had I did not recognize him whatsoever. I didn't connect the two, and I was like, oh, there's a there's two connections to Chernobyl there for the terror. And then uh, watching the terror, uh, you had Jared Harris and um, the guys who like who's uh, James McJames or whatever the who's Brutus from um, Rome, and you also have uh, Syrian Hines who plays Caesar in Rome. So I was like, I was appreciating these little TV things where you have this like strange little continuity now, not continuity, but uh, actors popping up here and there because they're good. They're really good. Mm-hmm. So, Syrian Hines? Syrian Hines? Syrian Hines? Yeah. Yeah. As Franklin? Captain yeah. Franklin? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he's Caesar in Rome. Have you yeah. seen Rome? You should watch Rome. Mm-hmm. I watched the first episode a couple of years ago. Yeah. Well, does that count? Well, you can watch the. I guess it's like you're overdue for watching the second episode, and you can pick up again in like another two years. I mean, I'm on pace, so might as well keep going. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm glad you liked it, man, because I I always thought you would, and um, because I we've talked about it a lot too. Like I I really liked the book, The Terror, and then when the show came out, I was like, man, I was like, this is good. I was like, I like it a lot. I think the biggest thing that I really liked was um, I liked the use of like the lighting in uh some of those arctic yes, episodes yep. and like with the like, hanging scene yeah all all the lighting is awesome like how how much white just gets washed out in the screen because i think you're you don't expect that in tv anymore uh but i i also really liked like the uh the eyeglass thing where it peels the skin all the botulism is cool whatever the like actual real cause of like the botulism was whether it was the canning or other things it's like I, I like it because sounds like they ran out of food and they were oh, poisoned. God damn it! Oh yeah. So going back to the like horrific violence of this show. The, oh yeah. The, the doctor. Uh, the oh good, yeah. The, the good doctor. Doctor Good Sir. Yes, Good Sir. Uh, Paul Reddy, I think his name is. Uh, yeah, fuck that scene of because uh, you get this. You, get, you know where it's going? Where he's like. Um, Eat, if, when they make you eat, when they make you eat me, mm-hmm. if they do make make it the sole of my feet, and you're like, mm-hmm. what? And I was like, oh, I know where this is going because they've already been passing around this poison stuff, and he's douses yep. himself in it, but not his feet, and drinks it down, slits his wrist so it looks like he just killed himself, and that's like that whole scene is just like so brutal, like mm-hmm. it's so, it's so drawn out, which um, I think is a good play off of the whole scene with him like basically feeding that poor little monkey the lead cans to see what oh, would happen yeah yeah i i didn't like that but it's like yeah that's how it would have went right oh 100 percent. and that yeah. they, they never really resolve what happened to uh the dog do they <laughs> there, there's, uh, a, there's, there's a comment about it uh about about a dog leg and it's like oh <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and i mean they were doing like that's what you would do, and then they would boil their belts and eat their belts. I, I like that in the first episode or two when Captain or like when uh, Jared Harris is talking about eating belts and shoes and that's a, that like, was that was a thing because uh, that yep. was Franklin's nickname. He was the captain who ate his own boots. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's how it goes. Anyway, it's uh, 
yeah, I, I was really uh, glad that they had a little bit of the stuff of what was happening back in England as far as uh, mm-hmm. Lady Franklin, his wife, Lady Jane, was like kind of like riling up people and trying to like, hey, don't forget about him. Like, this is really weird that he hasn't written back once. and But it still took far too long to get the uh, a rescue party organized and it was lo- long overdue. But there's some really good stuff with that. The costumes are awesome. And actually, the one thing that's I think I haven't seen a ton of people talk about is the score. The score is awesome. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. And uh, the guy who did, or the individual, because I don't know who they are, but uh, they're also the executive producer and they did all the music. And uh, that's cool. It, it's like the music has like sort of like a, that wine glass sort of sound. It was, it's mm. such, it's such a change of pace from every goddamn horror movie show and even like Chernobyl, just like it's just like that droning sound that's like on everything to tell you how to feel dreadful. This evokes dread from being almost like light, like unsettlingly <laughs> light, but in the right way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a good one thing that I just remembered since we're gushing about it, that unsettling dread. That's a, another great scene is when that guy goes deep sea diving and there's just like bodies like was it, it, there's like bodies floating around, isn't there or something? Well, yeah. When so, they send the diver well, in. Well, he goes down there and he sees the one body kind of floating toward him, yeah. the guy who went overboard. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff, man. Uh, I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad that it uh, it picked up uh, near the end too. But yeah, the terror is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's yeah. It was uh, yeah. Like I said, like I started, and I was like, this is okay. It's, it feels like an adventure story, though. It doesn't feel like there's real stakes yet. And then as it went on, and, it was like it mm-hmm. got into that, and like the yeah, the, the the everything goes to shit. So that's that's my type of TV. It's kind of like this podcast, too. It started out as an adventure, and then it all went to shit. Yeah, we're, well, there you in, go. In a, in a sense, right? Hey, RJ, you want to hear about The Lighthouse? Uh, yeah, I would love to hear about The Lighthouse. So The Lighthouse, as you noted, has that mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe. And yes, sir. Who, uh, also known as Green Goblin. And it Ball also Ball. has Robert Pattinson, <gasps> now also the Batman, if that, if that movie actually gets made. Uh, I mean... They they want us to believe it will be so yeah so it's a it's a kind of a superhero movie mm-hmm. <laughs> they they team up and uh, eventually they, sure. they they fight because there's a misunderstanding mm. yeah what so, kind of fight uh, a Martha an, fight an axe fight cool <laughs> okay so anyway so this movie the lighthouse mm-hmm. um, it's that Rob Rob Eggers guy the guy who directed mm-hmm. the witch the the Vivich the Vivich yeah so yep. that movie was good. And so I was curious, yes. this lighthouse, is it going to be as good? And I would say no, but it's very different. Mm-hmm. But uh, this movie, quite the experience watching it theatrically. This movie huh. looks so good. Like the, mm-hmm. the, the, the cinematography, the, uh, the compositing effects, because obviously this world doesn't exist in any real place. You have to, mm-hmm. you kind of have to shoot what you can and then put it together in post. As the kids say, you have to go and go into those oceans and put it together. You're shooting in full frame. You're putting in black and white, but it looks great. Uh, the mm-hmm. use of the full frame works so well, so damn well. Um, mm-hmm. like the use of foreground backgrounds, uh, the score is it's got some of that droniness that I was kind of uh, complimenting mm-hmm. the terror about having uh, not having, but here I think it worked because this is a very dreary movie about wind, the elements, mm. and uh, you know holes uh, kind of cut into mattresses and filled with uh. pubes <laughs> and and men with what pubes okay and uh, men 
having sex with those holes. Um, that happens. There's oh. actually, there's actually going to be a theme emerging here this week of uh, men masturbating. No, you didn't in, do it again, films. did you? No, not not me, not this time. That was all okay. all, all Robert Patterson here. So okay. yeah, the lighthouse. It's kind of a difficult movie to spoil. Um, sure. It's it's these two men. They go to the lighthouse. They're there. They're only there supposed to be there for a month, but uh, someone does something they're not supposed to do, and uh, there's old old sea curses. And uh, some very convincing regional dialect for the period of time mm. that it's set. It's uh, and I, it, I was surprised because I was kind of worried when I saw the trailer. I thought that uh, Willem Dafoe was going to be completely incomprehensible, and mm-hmm. it was going to be one of those things where people complain about it, a la uh, Bane in Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. But it actually was fine, I think. And I, I think those types of people aren't going to see the lighthouse anyway. Yeah. So that's that's good. That's good. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I. Uh, so you liked it? It was I, I, I not, not it as good a... as the Witch, but I, I don't. Uh, very they're, they're both they're both really good. I would say that the Witch. Mm-hmm. I think I would want to rewatch uh, before yeah. I'd rewatch the Lighthouse. But I think Lighthouse, just like as a, a piece of filmmaking, is like mm-hmm. pretty special. And it's intense. Yeah. It's like really. Uh, I don't know. You're in it the whole time. It almost like there's like times where the conversations are going, especially when you're at a dark theater, you're kind of getting lulled into sleep because <laughs> you're mm-hmm. like, Oh, I can't, but then it changes. And then you get these bursts of light that come through. Cause the movie's like a lot of it's so dark. And then you get these blasts of light that just like scorch across the theater. And you're just like, Oh, I, I better be up again. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's uh it's a movie you got to watch and experience. That's for sure. It's, it, you can't put it into words too much. But I think that's why it's okay. uh, it's doing pretty well. And I don't know what some people have been saying, but this is definitely a horror movie, I think. I think it definitely fits that. And I, I'm the type of guy that would be like, no, it's not. But I think it mm-hmm. it, it is. It just isn't uh, – it doesn't have the usual trappings of a horror movie. But there are some things that people would call horror that aren't. But this – I saw some people – because it's like really highly regarded now too on the letterboxed uh, genre for horror. Like it's in the top mm-hmm. 10 or 15. So I don't know. I don't know if it's that good, uh, but yeah, I it was a I don't regret going to it at all. Hmm. I mean, hey, that's high praise from Jared Duncan. I don't re- quote. I don't regret going to it at all. End quote. Uh, no, it sounds good, man, and it, like it, it seems like that's what a lot of people are saying, right? It's it's different and it's got interesting well, things. Looks nice. Yeah. Especially, not horror adjacent. Yeah. No, it is not horror adjacent. I mean. Some could argue that, but no, it is. It's a horror movie. It's got some uh, some good uh, some good ghoulish shit in there. Uh, okay, so going along with this uh, nautical horror, RJ, uh, I did watch a film called Death Ship. Uh, like Ghost Ship. Death Ship. Oh, that's different. It's different than Ghost Ship from two thousand two. Um, mm. It's got a very similar cover. Mm-hmm. with a big scally face in front of a boat uh mm-hmm. death ship's kind of a odd film it's okay. first of all it's garbage it's it's not good like at mm-hmm. all i i suffered through this thing um okay I, but it's got these like moments these little visual scene like these things that pop up and you're like that's pretty effective but mm-hmm. uh, so george kennedy is the captain of a ship 
and oh, nice. uh, Richard Crenna is his second in command. It's his last voyage, and then he's he's being uh, put to pasture. He's being forced into retirement. He's kind of bitter about it. And then out of nowhere, the death ship appears and just bashes right into the side of this cruise ship, and everybody dies. And but uh, and everyone's like in a lifeboat except for George Kennedy, who like after a day he just floats up from the ocean and he's alive and he's fine. And you're like, no one thinks this is suspicious. Like, where was he? He was he was under the water for hours. Um, so you know that. So there's something amiss. And then Mm -hmm. they're uh, out 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 to sea, and then this giant black death ship comes along and they're because they didn't know even know what hit them they're like oh mm-hmm. there's a boat let's get on board of it and of course it's all like operated by an invisible force mm-hmm. uh we're kind of led to believe or it's it was like a nazi ship so eventually later late into the film we find a room with a bunch of uh, nazi regalia mm-hmm. uh, and we get a lot of scenes with uh you know, Hitler reels, Hitler speeches playing over it, driving everybody mad, uh, people having showers on the boat, and uh, suddenly the water turns to blood, and then the woman like, starts drowning in the ba- in the, the shower stall. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Kennedy's going crazy, trying to kill people. There's these two annoying kids that just won't die. It's so, uh, so frustrating. Why don't, why don't these kids will just die, you know? Can you uh, repeat that? <laughs> I, it's on the public record. Okay, okay, and uh, that is uh, the opinion of. Sorry, what was your full <laughs> legal name and uh, birth date and De- social insurance number? Death ship. Uh, more like death shit. Am I right? Yeah, I. Uh, I don't know. Some people seem to be fairly positive on this, but boy, <laughs> nothing did nothing for me outside of those like these visuals. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they make good screen caps during Creeptober. Maybe uh, I'm not in that Creeptober uh, forgiving mindset to watch something like this. It was a, it's a Canadian horror film too, hmm. but was it one for the irony crowd? No, I don't no. know. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Done. I think I, I I get what you. I'm I'm done. I'm I'm done with this death ship. Okay, Pe- people, watch the terror. Watch the lighthouse. Yes. Watch um, the leftovers. Aquaman. Are you going to watch Aquaman now since you're on a nautical kick? Well, I mean, you almost sold me with the Willem Dafoe, but. Uh, would it in, would it change your mind if you knew he had a samurai bun on the top of his well, head? I, I've seen that. I've seen the man bun. You've seen that man bun? Oh, yeah, that's uh, apparently the fashion under the sea is uh, they all have top knots. Right. So their hair doesn't get all tangled. I mean, that's what they'd want you to believe. Yeah, that's true. Hey, right. RJ. Yes. You got any news? Uh, I feel like something did happen, but uh, it must not have been interesting enough if I've already forgotten about it, right? Was it how the world needed a Joker 2? Uh, I saw that develop today a little bit, and I was like, why does anybody care? Like, I mean, like with because well, it, it made a billion dollars officially this week. Well, not not that. I mean, uh, I came into it late. I wasn't checking it out. I just saw how it was all these different websites pitting the blame on each other. Whereas, like this website said there was going to be a sequel, but this website says there isn't. And it seemed like a lot of a uh, lot of that kind of po- pointing the finger at other people. And I was like, it doesn't really matter, you guys doesn't matter it's a the pursuit of scoops jarrett i see i saw you know? yeah i think i saw one place saying it wasn't happening and someone said no you're wrong and uh 
I mean, it shouldn't exist, but I agree. It's probably going to. Cause, yeah. But, I mean, you have to get like everybody back on board. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I, I, I would have a hard time thinking uh, Joaquin Phoenix would do it. He seems like a pretty tough sell. Hey, that paycheck's big enough. That's, uh, yeah, did they life-altering money? I'm pretty sure they offered a dump truck full of money for him to be Doctor Strange, and he turned it down. Mm. He didn't make Is that st- how the story goes? Well, he probably read that screenplay, uh, and was like, "Hmm, hey, uh, how about that Baby Yoda?" Oh yeah, that was my next one about the sad state of the world. Reading about Werner Herzog marveling and weeping at the sight of a animatronic Baby Yoda. Well, I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a contrarian and go against you for a second. I think I might be weeping at that baby Yoda too. Things pretty things pretty pretty good, man. Are, are you on, real are, good. are you on Disney Plus there, RJ? I am not, and uh, I don't plan to be. But uh, I did like the looks of that little baby. Is there actually images of this baby? Have you not seen it? No. Oh, it's pretty adorable, dude. It looks like a kitty. I see. You ever seen a nice little kitty? I've seen some. Yeah, I've seen some kittens. I'm surprised that you avoided this for so long. Well, to be are you, honest, are you surprised? <laughs> well, I mean, I uh, you, you frequent uh, the the internet, right? Uh, I guess a different part of it than you. Uh, I've seen this thing on Twitter, Reddit, Facebook. Uh, it was on the Criterion Creep SoundCloud. Some somehow. Uh, I've seen this thing all over the place. So I was, uh, it found me. I thought it would find you too. No, I uh, completely avoided it. Are you checking it out now? No. <laughs> You're not interested in Baby Yoda? No. I, I'll, uh, I'll have to take Werner Herzog's word for it. Yeah. Well, what uh, are you interested in this Mandalorian? I heard, uh, I saw on some somewhere someone mentioned it was kind of like Lone Wolf and Cub. Hmm. Well, I mean, I could always just watch Lone Wolf and Cub, I suppose. That was what the person uh, who made that connection also said. There you so go. Sounds like you're in their court there. Yep. Oh, well. Oh, I well. Mean, it, that we, we were never the target for the, that Disney Plus anyways. Very true. Mm-hmm. Very true. Uh, any other news? Um, all those Disney Plus accounts got sold to the black market. That's pretty fun. That's good. Yep. That's, that's that's what you deserve, I guess. Yep. And then other than that, I mean, you know, that's life. Hey, RJ. Yes? Criterion's putting out movies in February for us to watch in 12 years. Criterion puts out movies? Yep. Oh, weird. Mo- movies like Roma. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I mean, it doesn't like surprise me, but I, I think I was hoping maybe it would happen later, you know? Well, I, whatever. Whatever. I think I saw some people uh, complaining that this movie was getting released, even though it's on Netflix. Uh, is that is that the only... I mean, there's, there's other movies in Criterion on Netflix. Is there not? There are. There are, probably. I'm sure there's at least one. Uh, we have... Uh, Tio Torturuma, Tiruma, uh, from 1969, from the man Pierre Paolo Pasolini. <sighs> no, thank you. Oh, it's gonna be a gooder. He doesn't make he doesn't make bad movies. 
Oh, really? It's a, and uh, who, who said that? Me. <sighs> hey, it's going to be a blistering Marxist treatise on sex, religion, and art, and a primal scream in the void, as it says on the box. I'm so glad I'll be dead by then. Antonio Gotti from 1984, directed by Hiroshi Teshigara. Gahara. Who? Uh, it's about... Is it a documentary? Who? Uh, Antonio Gotti. It's a... Oh, him, yeah. Of course. Good friend of mine. It's a film. Yeah. Good classic. Of course. And, ooh, this is a fancy-looking box. It's uh, Three Fantastic Journeys by Carol Zeman. Probably Carl Zeman. Uh, mm. Some 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 uh, adventure movies. Journey to the Beginning of Time. Invention for Destruction. The Fabulous Baron Munchausen. <gasps> are, that guy did that? Uh, yes. These are from like, oh. the 50s, early 60s. Those be those are fun ones. It looks like there's a Brontosaurus. Remember the Brontosaurus? Doesn't it's not like real, but it's got one. Like the real, di- like the dinosaur. Yeah. Are, did you say not real? Yeah, wasn't that the whole thing about Brontosauruses? They're not real anymore. They're like, Is that actually happened? I think did that, they I, un, undo Brontosauruses. I believe so. Did they, you hear that they're, they, 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 they put want the, something about bones being put in together wrong or something? <sighs> I Did know hear... stupid science that and Pluto. I'll never, yeah, I'll never forgive. Exactly, science doesn't they... change from when you're in elementary school. Damn it! Well, last week they said maybe Pluto is a planet, oh, see, and it's like you motherfuckers they can't make up their goddamn mind. Figure it out. Knowledge is fixed for eternity. It doesn't eternity. change. This is why we do this. That's right. And uh, as well, it's like oh, so many movies to watch one day. Paris is burning from 1990, directed by Jenny Livingston. It's a cool title, at least. It's a it's a documentary documentary about uh, the New York City African American and Latino Harlem drag ball scene in Paris, in New York. So why is it called Paris? Because it's an intimate portrait of rival fashion houses. RJ, figure Get it bent. out. Figure it out. Get bent. Just if it's about New York crime, just call it like dirty it's, it's New York. Or New something. York crime. <laughs> Didn't you say that? No. Well, why is it burning then? <laughs> it's a title. Yeah, but it's like don't it's don't a, call your movie Paris docu- is burning. It's, 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 a docu- it's, a, it's a documentary about like drag shows. Okay, well here here's here's my point then. So if it, it's called it's about New York drag shows, but it's called Paris is burning. That'd be like if our podcast was called like Creepsville is sinking, but our podcast was about making like muffins or something. Do you know what I mean? Do you know? <laughs> you ready to talk about a movie? Not really, but I feel like we need to do it anyways. After the break. Well, during the break, we'll be masturbating in the bathroom stall. And then we'll be coming out to do a podcast about a guy jerking off a bunch. I'd prefer if you didn't say that we were going to do that in the bathroom stall. Why? Um, the opinions of uh, host Jarrett Francois Duncan are his own.
This may seem an unusual procedure speaking to you before the picture begins, but we have an unusual subject. In the event that you find certain sequences or ideas confusing, Please bear in mind that this is your fault, not ours. Now, what is so confusing about that? I, I don't understand. You will need to see the picture again and again until you understand everything. Not since Terrace Bulba has the screen seen this much excitement, thrill to the spectacle of men and women locked in ideological prisons of their own design, while reality and linear storytelling take a permanent vacation. When I say that this is the most important motion picture you will ever attend. This is big. This is going to be a big transformation in your life. My motivation is not financial gain. Eight hours, your brother, $15,000. But a firm belief that the delicate fabric that holds all of us together will be ripped apart. Get it, hey, 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 get him off of me! Unless every man, woman, and child in this country sees this film. Ooh. <laughs> and now, filmed in its entirety, Is that all right? Shut up! Is that all right? Is that good? We proudly present Schizopolis! so strongly in mayonnaise. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Schizopolis from 1996, directed by Steven Soderbergh. The mm-hmm. tagline for the film, RJ, mm-hmm. come early, come often. And the synopsis from Letterboxd. Okay. A man works for the unpleasant guru of a Scientology-like movement. What? Is that actually the synopsis? That is actually the synopsis. Um, A truly lousy synopsis. So what does the Criterion DVD actually say? Yeah. Fletcher Munson has a doppelganger in dentist Dr. Jeffrey Korchek. In his only starring performance to date, acclaimed director Steven Soderbergh inhabits both roles. Munson, onanistic corporate drone and speechwriter for New Age guru T. Azimuth Schweitzer. White Schwitters and the swinging Korchek music enthusiast and lover to Munson's disenchanted wife. Meanwhile, mad exterminator and part-time celebrity prima donna Elmo Oxygen seduces local housewives in secret code and plots against Schweiters. Placing the onus squarely on the viewer, quote, if you don't understand this film, it's your fault and not ours. Writer, director, Mm. editor, cameraman Soderbergh presents a deranged comedy of confused identity, doublespeak, and white-knuckled corporate intrigue, confirming his status as one of America's most daring and unpredictable filmmakers. uh, White-knuckled corporate intrigue. Yes, yes. Wow. Do you think, how many degrees do you think the person who wrote that had? (laughs) That copy? Yeah, that, that little copy there, a few. That's... Interesting uh, description, Jer. Yeah. So, Schizopolis in me. So this is a movie that has been <laughs> long on my radar. 
Uh, I was a fan of Steven Soderbergh at this point in time when it came out uh, on DVD, probably 2003, 2004, maybe even now. Okay. And this movie sounded kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, no, I could never really figure out what this thing was about. Like, you read the synopsis, and you're like, how does this work as a movie? Mm-hmm. But RJ, I always hated the DVD cover for this. Have you seen it? Have you looked this it, thing up? Is it the same as the letterboxed poster? No. Yeah, I'll check it out. Okay. You uh, you tell me, maybe describe for the fans out there. So what... it, it's like, it's kind of like Max Headroom-ish. Uh, it's Soderbergh oh. and he's like, he's super waxy and yeah. like, it just, it looks like a, such a smug looking movie. And I'm like, I don't know about this. I do I want to spend forty two ninety nine blind on this movie? Because there's like no other way to watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It just, it suddenly looked wrong and off to me. It, it kind of looks like one of those weekly world news magazines at the grocery store. Yeah, that's that's what I'm getting out of. Yeah, this. it's it's like very much like an advertising marketing kind of idea that they're going for. Because the movie right. starts off with this like the Soderbergh in a character doing this like soft sell, hard sell for the film, where it's like very you're aware mm-hmm. of the camera cuts, all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I was saying though is like so there were things about this on paper that I admired without seeing it. You know, it's a shoestring budget. It's a mm-hmm. movie that's just like you're working with your friends. You use yourself as an actor because you can rely on yourself. And hell, if you got two roles, it's like might as well cast myself twice in the movie. And uh, you're, yeah. And he uh, borrowed a bunch of equipment to make it and shot it in like no time with no money. So I was like, I'm always curious about these sort of movies and like what people mm-hmm. can do with it. Steven Soderbergh, he's kind of a, he's a name, right? It's, it's, I'm curious what he did before, you know, he went on to direct, you know, Out of Sight, The Limey, Aaron Brockovich, <laughs> Traffic, Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. Wait, what's he, what's he going to be doing? Sure. So he made this uh, apparently, so he had made Sex, Lies, and Videotapes a decade earlier. So this isn't like a first film. This is him... Uh, as a lot of people have mentioned, uh, it seems like he's like working through some stuff. Like he's almost like trying to like make a student film because he he never got to make one, which is absurd. Uh, so why he, why would you want to regress? It, it's a good question. Some people do. Some people like to de-skill RJ. They like to okay. see what the ch- they like to set themselves up with some challenges. And he's okay. and he doesn't do this just once. He winds up doing that with the movie Full Frontal, which is not mm-hmm. very good at all. And he also did it with another movie called Bubble. Uh, and mm-hmm. there's the other movie recently that kind of had the same thing where he strips down the whole process and just shooting with like digital and just doing short little stories. I can't remember. Uh, it's that thriller that he came out with that was quite a bit like that. What's it side called? Side effects? Not side effects. That was like also the B side to like contagion. But what? Uh, it's, it's the slasher movie. Or it's like the thriller that just came out and I watched where she the thinks one, she's being stalked. On a cell phone? No. Or no, it was wasn't it filmed on a cell phone? Yes, that one. Yeah. Uh. Whoa. Where? Oh, it's uh this one. What is it called? Yeah. Unsane. Unsane. There you go. See that. There you go. Th- that's a far more successful film. We'll just say that. But okay. He likes to put these challenges up for himself. So he shot this in his hometown of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, Baton Rouge, eh? That's right, eh? Oh, I know all about. Well, I know about Baton Rouge. Garth Brooks used to uh, tell me about it when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know, Soderbergh he'd made uh, Sex Lies and Videotapes already, and then he mm-hmm. he made his Kafka movie uh, with Jeremy Irons. There's King of the Hill, The Underneath. 
the mm. same year he put this out, he also did a Grey's and uh, this movie called or this film called Grey's Anatomy, which is a Spalding Grey concert he filmed. And okay. Then, and then he went on to like you know that kind of more mainstream Hollywood success after that. But mm. uh, he had Schizopolis to get out of his system. <laughs> oh, and boy, did he get it out! Did he get it out? So mm-hmm. uh, Steven Soderbergh makes the decision to play the main character, and he has zero acting skills or abilities. So there's that. I, there's that. I wasn't super bothered by that. No, but like, but it's very this. clear that this <laughs> he is he is playing this character. Um, oh yes, yeah, Fletcher Munson, uh-huh. uh, as well as the doppelganger, the inexplicable doppelganger. Beyond the fact mm-hmm. that it just makes sense to do it that way because I can just cast myself twice and I can use my wife Betsy Brantley as my wife. Hundred percent. Which I didn't know when I was watching this, but I I, I was watching it. and I went, I bet she is his wife because that's how mm. these that's how this goes. And sure enough, confirmation comes. She's Mrs. Munson and attractive woman number two. Attractive woman number two. I think that's a little garish to, like, I mean, I know he thinks she's attractive, but like to say that it's attractive in the credits, even like because that's assuming other people will find her attractive. Also, it's fine. Well, I mean, I would never assume that for you. I don't want to assume what you think is attractive, well, uh, Jared. I'm, I'm glad that you are keeping me in your thoughts. I'm take, taking a hard stance on this. I will never judge a woman or a man by what I think your attractiveness to them is going to be. I see. That's that's fair. Tough, but fair. Yeah. I guess he's speaking for himself. In this movie, RJ, as has been mentioned, is onanistic. Some might even call it a well, circle jerk. Oh, is that the, this, uh... this movie's about just jerking off? Because oh. that happens a few times in the movie. That's true, actually. Very, it does very, happen a few times. Very discreetly. You know, it's, there's no, like, uh, you know, it's not Robert Pattinson in the lighthouse or anything like that. Um, oh, okay. But, but uh, it's definitely, you get some Soderbergh hmm. uh, pulling pud. Do you think that's why he wanted to act in the role himself? I mean, since he was there already. Might, might as well, right? So, might as well. So, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And him and his wife. Uh, where I think we're like in the process of getting divorced when this got made. So, like during it was filmed or just well, like a- after the fact. Okay. So, but who knows how long it took to actually film this thing, other than like or what the time period was from when it got released. Uh, I think at, mm-hmm. at Con. <laughs> oh, which one? Uh, the original. Comma? Con. Oh, okay. Uh, so here, uh, this is uh, Roger Ebert's uh, opening paragraph for Full Frontal, another oh, uh, st- another Steven Soderbergh uh, failure. Every <laughs> once in a while, perhaps as an exercise in humility, Steven Soderbergh makes a truly inexplicable film. There was the con uh, secret screening of his Schizopolis in 1996, which had audiences filing out with sad, thoughtful faces. And now here is Full Frontal, a film so amateurish that the only professionalism, of some, that only the professionalism of some of the actors makes it watchable. Mm. So he's got a, there, there's Tough like, but fair. there's moments in Schizopolis that feel like mm-hmm. you're watching a Soderbergh film. Uh, kind of mm-hmm. like when things are being followed. It's actually more in the, like, maybe the second half of the movie that it kind of like starts feeling like a, like a real movie. Yep. That's like just very like low budget, independent. Mm-hmm. But I agree. That first half. Oh boy. Well, what about it, Jer? I just want to ask you, RJ. I had a question here for you, RJ. Sure. What is art? 
art isn't real, Jarrett. I'm, I'm baiting that hook because art isn't real, and uh, this is a prime example of why why people want to take money from the arts. I think uh, <laughs> wow. is what I would well, say. Well, this is the thing, though. It's like you can make this for cheap. Like you don't even need money to yep. make this. But so then, they, but you, can't, then you, can, you can't even take that money from them. There's like there's no money to take, RJ. It's it's the it's the it's the it's the it's the success that comes later for this gentleman. I believe that uh, is what people would uh, look back and okay. not be fair on. All right. That so this film, it's very postmodern, um, huh. and it, but it's trying to be a comedy, and it doesn't work as a comedy really right. at all. Um, I don't know. It's tough. This is a tough comedy, and it's not even that old. But I feel like there was a window of time where there was films like this. There was this one I remember watching like in the like 2000 called Haiku Tunnel. And it reminded me so much of that. Like there was always like if you were kind of going into the, you know, those movies that have kind of peculiar looking covers, they look like they're comedies and they're mm-hmm. like made for, you know, less than a million dollars with a bunch of people who you don't know. They all yeah. feel, they, a lot of them felt like this. But you watched them back then because maybe one of them might be really good. But one of them might also be like The Last Supper or something like that. There's these these movies that people are trying to make it because, hey, if you make it big, you could become the next Steven Soderbergh. And here's Steven Soderbergh who's like backtracking. It's it's, it's really – it's strange. You could be the next David Gordon Green, Jerp. That's true. That is, that is true. Uh, yep. So you know how good David Lynch's Lost Highway is? Uh, yes. I, I, yep. I think that is a good show. So that there's some similarities between these two. Uh, I would love for you to explain just, that in a little more just, detail. Just like this idea of like these like kind of doppelgangers and like be kind of getting into the mind of another person. Uh, you have mm-hmm. actors doing double duty. Lost I was came out the year after this. So okay. um, Lost I was already like in production when this was probably being filmed and released simultaneously. Um but maybe but, not. Maybe but David this, Lynch. Stole but it. so, but we know how good Lost Highway is. This is the opposite mm-hmm. of that. Um, I, I was mm-hmm. really uh, kind of laughing to myself while watching this movie, just knowing that there's our uh, our listener faithful who follow along and watch these movies <laughs> right along with us. This is on the Criterion uh-huh. Channel, and they're going to be watching this mm-hmm. too. And I'm just like, oh boy, our audience—they hate this shit. They're going to hate it so much. It's. This is uh, it's this is different than just Stan, the audience. This is different than Stan Brackage, but uh, uh-huh. <laughs> this is this is uh, there's a lot of failure on display. There's a lot of failure. That's a that's a kind way to put that. Yeah. So yeah. there's scenes. So actually, maybe I will attempt to like lay out how this movie flows, but I'm going to fail. It, I'm going to fail miserably. Sure. So there's scenes where. Um, Steven Soderbergh's Fletcher character, he's having like dream sequences, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then, but he's also got his day job where he works for this uh, new age Scientology mishmash organization called Eventualism. Okay. It's a, not a bad name for a, uh, for a cult. Mm-hmm. There's these like insets with like news footage where like news broadcasts are doing jokes. Uh, like things that are supposed to be really funny, but... Mm-hmm. They don't really land. No. There's there's Elmo Oxygen, this this filthy, sex-crazed uh, ins- exterminator 
who uh, apparently is irresistible to ladies, to horny housewives all around. Kind of reminded me of you, to be honest. Wow, thank you. Um, yes. So everything involving Elmo Oxygen was quite a chore, and it just seemed like this idea stuffed in there. It ties up in the end, doesn't it, though? I disagree. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, so we have scenes, RJ, involving uh-huh. Elmo Oxygen and Mrs. Nameless Numberhead Man. Sure. They have a dialogue that goes like this. Uh, Mrs. Nameless Numberhead Man. Arsenal, nose army. Elmo Oxygen says, nose army. Beef diaper? Nomenclature. Throbbing dust generation. Drum tissue outburst. Jigsaw. Uh, fragment chief butter? King surgery mind? Bunny bucket. Precision galley sponge? <laughs> sponge? Sponge? Sp- Sponge, smell, Spoonge. smell sign. I, I think the best part of that was the made-up word you threw in there. I Spoonge. think "sponge" is a terrific word. Sponge, sponge. So there's that. There's uh, yes, the there scene is. when uh, Fletcher returns home to meet his wife and daughter, mm-hmm. and uh, they they have a conversation along the lines of passive-aggressive remark. Mm. And then generic response, generic response, thoughtful inclination, looking out the window. Yes. And they do this thing. It's all very clever. <laughs> yes. Isn't it though, Jerry? Isn't it so clever? It's so clever. And uh-huh. it's just, oh, it's, they're trying. Mm-hmm. I think, I think they're trying. I think, I think. So, uh, yeah, this movie as a uh, listener friend of the show justin peterson calls a clusterfuck sure um it just it just doesn't work no one like I, people seem to like this on letterbox though it's, people i'd love to meet these people in real life <laughs> i i guess it's the people who are going out of their way to watch schizopolis nowadays but yeah i'm, I'm sure, sort of surprised because i don't know there's like so many better examples of, I think, this type of thing that probably exists. I'm not going to name mm-hmm. them off the top of my head, but there's got to be like yeah. films that have this like quirky sensibility that mm-hmm. are actually fun to watch or entertaining. And <laughs> uh, Yeah, I agree with you. I don't want to name any off the top of my head either, but um, quirky sensibility. What about uh, Gilmore Girls, Jarrett? That's well, pretty quirky. Well, I mean, this, this isn't even That's the sharp same. Dialogue. This doesn't fit into this type of movie but i mean for and for office comedies i mean a few years later you have office space come along yeah i mean are soderbergh and mike judge friends because i feel like they would be but maybe not good friends because they're, they're both bald like, dudes hey, they probably hey, they like all uh all people in the the industry i'm sure they've uh given each other a nod a nod and a, a something wink. else a wink not in a wink mm-hmm. uh yeah i don't know any offhand but um I agree with you. What, what were you saying before that? I've already lost my train of thought. I'm I'm all scattered around. I'm all schizopolis over exactly. here. Exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. Schizoid. Schizoid. That even even the title is clever, Jared. Yeah. Do you get it? We get, you get it? we have scenes of uh the, the, the dentist making his puns. It's all Soderbergh. Because apparently in this world, Fletcher's <sighs> wife is having an affair with Fletcher's doppelganger, this dentist. 
and they're they're about to make they're about to do it they're about to set off and like have a new life and leave that loser Fletcher uh, to work at the his drone office job but sure. then uh, the dentist meets attractive woman number two played by Soderbergh's wife and she, she the difference is she has her hair slicked back and wears glasses mm-hmm. and he falls in love with her sends her a very lurid letter hand delivers it to her door and then there is legal action uh of course rightfully so yes. i believe yeah it's a pretty obscene letter and uh and then eventually I, what 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 can i drop something on you yo i didn't think it was a doppelganger thing i thought it was an even more on the nose clever type bullshit where it was both versions of these people were cheating on each other with themselves, but it was like because they were putting on personas as of other people that they like bought into their own bullshit. And I realized that's I'll, I'll always be honest with you, Jer. If I don't notice that there's two actors playing the same person, I'll tell you about it. So I didn't realize there was any doppelganger stuff. I kind of just thought it was like I thought it was even more like artsy type <laughs> Like, wink, wink at you. It's like, look, it's just how real fairs are. People are cheating on each other, but they're cheating on themselves, man. I thought it was like that kind of stuff. I, I don't know. Maybe what I'm about, way well, off. What about but... the scene when the uh, dentist gets murdered? I mean, that. Like, when when it got into that stuff, I was kind of like, okay. Yeah. I, I pieced it out eventually. But for, I would say, 90% of this movie, I thought it was just the same people. And it was it was real wink, wink stuff. I see. I see. Well, so, I mean, that's... Like, a, I'll never lie to you. That, that's an interpretation. But, sure. I mean, it, it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough going mm-hmm. with this bad boy. But I don't know if it's uh, trying to pull some, uh, some Nolan-esque antics or anything like that. Or even, like, sub-Nolan uh, <laughs> inside antics. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's what it is. I think. Yes. And uh, how about that scene, like where we get in the third? Because the movie is in three acts, where there's like a mm-hmm. uh, it's a door number that you put on the side of your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one, two, three, and in the third, you get the emphasis on uh, Mrs. Munson, mm-hmm. and you get a scene where like you're getting to re-experience scenes from the first part, but now. Steven Soderbergh's characters are dubbed by French or Japanese or mm-hmm. like Russian men, Spanish men. And it, there's and whatever. They, and they're literally just dubbed over. Like he's talking, mm-hmm. but now it's a new voice. And you're like, oh, I see. Everything becomes more clear now. <laughs> and um, yeah, there's that flourish. Oh, sure there is. I I was uh, watching that and I was like, man, I wonder what Jerry's gonna think about this. He's probably just like so into. Oh yeah, look at this. Look, look at this film craft here. It's speaking different languages. It's just like movies, man. <laughs> or I was laughing. Oh, I was like yeah. laughing so uh, hard. This is what a great joke. genius. Hey RJ. Yo. What did you think of Schizopolis? Um. Well, I think I maybe uh, let my um my overall or my underall opinions kind of come through a little bit in my speakings. Uh, I do not think anyone will be surprised by the fact that I am not a fan of Schizopolis. Hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating. Uh, I started off with a, uh, a very, I gave, I gave it a good college try. 
I gave it I, I gave it the old try. I um I was like, oh, let's see where this goes. It started off with that thing where was, you you don't like this, then it's your problem. And I was like, okay, all right, I'll, let's see. Uh, and then I even started a column where I had good on the left and <laughs> not good on the right. Uh, I had one thing. Uh, I had two things in the good column, Jarrett. Okay. Uh, the screenshot of beef diaper, mm. just because I thought that was funny. Uh, and then naked bike man. Uh, I liked the scene of the guy uh, who was Pooh Bear in it with the with a shirt but no pants. Oh yeah, right in the bike. Uh, I just not like the setup or where like as he's a living title card. I didn't care for that stuff. I just liked the scene of him naked riding that bike. And there is some uh, good cool. old like male frontal nudity right at the very end. It's like the yes. last shot of the movie. That's always yep. appreciated. That's always appreciated. Yeah. So I, I did like the naked guy. And then I started keeping track of the not good. Oh. And then and then I just stopped after yeah. a while because I was like, I don't got all day. <laughs> uh, I, well, it's only an hour and a half. Like, I don't got all day, Jared. That, that's got to be in the good side, right? It's only an hour 30. Well, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. That is on the good side. No, it's mostly a lot of the stuff that you were kind of saying. I thought I thought it was like really scattered. I was like, it's. I know why it's doing this, but it is, it's overreaching here. It's trying to be too many things. Um, and I know that that's the point. I get that. I understand that the point is that it's like that, but I was like, I'm just not on board with this. It's fucking all over the place. The things that they're trying to do, they're either not doing well Mm -hmm. or they're doing too much of. And it's just like, neither of those work. Uh, I didn't like any of the comedy stuff. No. Um, there was like there were I I'd be hard pressed to tell you anything that I actually did really kind of take away from this and that that sounds like a big knock on it but I don't even think it's like I don't even I I don't dislike this movie that much it's, it's yeah, just it's, like it's I, even, I don't even know why this is a thing yeah, it's like, not even remarkably bad I yeah think it's, it's the, not even remarkably yeah. bad because there's a lot of stuff too like the dialogue it's like. Like kind of what you were saying is like, oh, yes, very smart, very clever. You yeah. you you worked really hard on this or maybe you didn't. And that was the point. This is like a skit, you know. And yeah. It, it, but it's like it feels so dated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here yeah. we are doing it. And it's a whole bunch of skits assembled. And I'm I'm positive. Like, I don't think Steven Soderbergh is going to be going out of his way to defend this. Though I think he does joke that he wants to make a sequel called Son of Schizopolis. I'm sure he might one day. And, and, but it's, and that's like, he probably holds that in his back pocket and it'll probably never happen. But maybe yeah. if it does, it'll be on Netflix and then one day it'll get released uh, on the Criterion. We didn't talk about our November release or the releases in February. <gasps> oh, you didn't even talk about famed Roma famed movie that uh, even the set was black and white, Jared. Did you know? Yeah, so they could think of black and white. Anyways. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, so I was, I was kind of what I thought watching this movie was a mix of things, nothing related to the movie itself, but more, I was like, why is, why is this movie? Why am I watching this? And then I was like, why is this in the criterion collection? Cause I honestly don't, it's one of those things is like, is the novelty of it? Is that enough for it to be here? I don't think so. I don't think it warrants, but whatever it's not like the criterion is this fucking golden calf that only has a hundred percent bangers all the time like as we've clearly found <laughs> after like, 199 films that we've watched here 
yeah, we're only in like what, not even a third of the way through, and it's just part, like part of me. Oh, almost not even a quarter of the uh, way through. Uh, pardon me. Right. Well, we're, there's we're, a thousand. We're not even at two hundred yet, right? We're, we're at two hundred next week, and uh, a thousands. We're, so already, we're and, and they're already past a thousand. It's never going to okay. stop. Yeah, It'll one, never stop. One, so we're not fifth. even a fifth of the way through, yeah. and we have an entire handful. You could, I bet, you could pick twenty movies that we've covered so far, and you're like, none of these are good, just trash. <laughs> well, maybe not that far, but it's like none of them are good. You would never watch them again or yeah. recommend them to anyone. Oh yeah, at least twenty of them. Yes. So uh, they're not, they're not batting 10%. at a ten percent fail rate. It's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's, it's not higher. Bad. It's higher than ten, but. Yep. Uh... But I, I think it, we've talked about it before where it's the false like uh, like prestige of this thing where just because it's in there, people are like, well, it's got to be good. And then people go in, they're like, well, I mean, it, you know, it's this or that, but uh, I, I may, maybe I didn't get it, but it's in there. So it's got it's good, right? I was I, like, no. Well, especially after you, if you bought this for full retail price or something. Oh, I mean, fuck. Whew, yeah, you, you're going to find all sorts of things you're going to like about it. It's got two commentary tracks. To what end? Do you know? It's probably ones in character, probably. I don't know. Just shameful by all <laughs> accounts. I don't know. I um, and it's like I said, it's nothing like so bad that you're like there. There's movies we've watched where I've been like, I outright hate this thing. Yeah. And I don't this movie. I just like I don't fucking give a shit. Like who. It's here. I kind of wish I didn't watch it, but it's too late now. So, oh well. Right? Yeah. Got any, what were some of your notes about things you hated? Or uh, not goods? Not goods? Not goods were mostly is like one of them was just the two scattered thing. Not good. I do not like Elmo the Exterminator. I thought that whole story was stupid. The The like coded dialogue and... The play where it's like, hey, it's not what you'd expect. This exterminator is like killing the ladies out there. Isn't it funny? Because it's it's that's not how it works. And I was like, mm, I don't like any of that. Uh, I didn't like the office play stuff. I wasn't even really a fan of that either, because I think all this talk of spies and things like oh, that, yeah. I was like, well, maybe, you know, I bet office lice office not office lice, but office life is probably like that because people probably like dream up these elaborate things going on in the offices just to like get the day to go by. I imagine that might be what it's like. I don't know. I've never worked in an office, so don't ask me. But I kind of I saw that it too is like I don't think this is something that's really happening. I, I kind of feel like it's just this concoction that these people have made up to kind of get through the day. Or so, kind of like making faces in the mirror or uh, pleasuring oneself in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. It's like where a man with uh, fancy socks takes off his socks and stands there barefoot on bathroom tile and mm -hmm. starts telling you what you need to write in the speech for the guru of the corporate entity that you work for. So we've made clear very like many times. Uh, about how we feel about things in bathrooms and mm -hmm. the stuff people were doing. So Andrea had a new one two days ago. She went into the bathroom, Jared, and somebody left uh, a unopened can of Monster in the stall. Guess where they put it? Right by the can. On 
the toilet seat. <laughs> she opened the stall door. So and was, there the, was, a, was the seat down? The seat was down. Yeah. The seat was down. And there was an unopened can of monster on the seat. Uh, I mean, I drank it still because a free monster is a free monster. But uh, no, I, she told me this and I was like, God, I was like, humans, just just animals, <laughs> you know. But yeah, there was. um. So I didn't like that office stuff. Uh, it was kind of like I said earlier, I thought I didn't see it as a doppelganger thing. I kind of thought it was just like an even more wink winky thing where it's like it's them and it's themselves. Isn't and this that, is isn't, how- isn't that all, all doppelganger stories? Yeah, it is, right? It's like, it's, it's like, you. It's like it's uh, just different. Our, our boy, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Enemy. Yeah. Yeah, who, and like... Who are the real monsters? Well, clearly the people who made this movie. But like, that that's the kind of thing too. It's like, I don't have a problem with doppelganger movies. It's its an exploration of self, man. Uh, I just didn't like how it was presented here because I was like, I'm not into this. I don't know why this is... Because isn't she uh, like... Because like the one bit where uh, Mrs. Munson like telepathically jumps into the mind of mm-hmm. attractive woman number two and then she's yeah. experienced life and she looks over and the table is empty oh man man oh, well man <laughs> See, that, that's what i mean dude it's just stuff like that like and I'm not even I, I won't even give them the people who like this stuff a hard time. It's like, whatever, if you if you think this is cool, go for it. It's just I do not get anything out of that. I was like, ugh. yeah, no, thanks. Yeah, no, thanks. No argument. So that's um, me. I think a uh, friend of the show, Rupa Granger, said it best. Well, I've said, uh, hey, hey. Oh, OK. All right. I want I want you want to hear about who hates Schizopolis? Uh, yeah, we could hear about who hates Schizopolis. So, half a star from Red Dead Rupa. You must be a video game fan. Schizopolis. <laughs> Schizopolis. That was excruciating. Honestly, I um, I couldn't have said it better myself. Schizopolis. I agree. I wish I had come up with it. To be to be very honest I, with you, I, I can't believe you slept on it. Well, I mean, I don't. I, I do the Jared approach where I try not to. Uh, I try not to give my opinions out there on these movies until uh, we drop those reviews. Yeah, not that anyone cares. Uh, but I don't know. I, so I'm trying to look at Rupa's three five star films, but my letterbox is not loading at the moment. Let's see. All right, Red Dead Rupa. Oh, only five, only three five star films, Jared. One of yours, T2, Judgment Day. Yeah. Uh, One Cut of the Dead is in there. And then one of the most depressing movies I've ever seen, Under the Skin. Oh. I had a really hard time watching that movie. It made me really sad. Really? Yeah. So uh, those are some of Red Dead Rupa's faves. (laughs) Seems fine by me. Yeah, story checks out. Half star from Smoreni Shma. Shmaj? That's close enough. Unwatchable. <laughs> I get the idea behind this movie, and I must acknowledge few really ingenious dialogues and monologues, but overall, the movie is almost completely unwatchable. It is satire, so technically speaking, it is a comedy. 
but it is not funny or entertaining at all. It's just plain boring. Mm. It is obvious that movie is done by someone very smart who has done many things to say, who has many things to say, but who is at the same time so self-involved in own smartness that he made this movie understandable only to himself. The movie is unwatchable both in the story and in an aspect of technical realization. It is extremely rare, but it happened. I gave up on this movie before the end. I did it just a few times in my life, gave up on single-digit number of movies out of thousands I saw so far, but I could not force myself to see Mm. this through. This is one of those things that remind me that life is too short to waste it on literally every crap I run into. I'm sorry to do this because I can tell that Basic Idea was awesome in author's head, but he terribly failed to make something good out of it, so I must rate it. Uh, I agree with them. But I do find it funny that they say someone's so self-involved in their own or self-involved in their own selfness, however he phrased that, or however they, he, she, or they phrased it. Uh, but they also gave five stars to Dogma and Chasing Amy, talking huh. about people involved in themselves, and uh, also Boyhood five stars. I feel like Boyhood is uh, one of those ultimate um, self-involved things from our buddy Richard Rinklater. But this person also also gave Barfly five stars, so that's pretty good. Not too bad. Not too shabby. Not too bad. All right. Yeah. Um, Want to hear about who loves this movie potentially? Maybe, but maybe not like, maybe not too much. No. Because these people are going to bum me out. All right. All right. Who's Okay. Well, here's one. Okay. Oh, I got one here. Here's. Tom Ass Haywood, <laughs> five stars. I have no fucking clue what I just watched, but I'm pretty sure it's genius. Uh, I don't like that. I've, n- I've never been a fan of that kind of cop-out thing. This person also gave Chasing Amy five stars. Huh. Uh, I do like their name, though, Tom yeah. Ass. <laughs> and they gave Dogma five stars, too. Interesting. Um, and then a little bit down here, we have Phil Bernstein, who gave it five okay. stars nomenclature felt like shit on monday night and it turns out that rewatching this in bed while eating applesauce was just what the doctor ordered i mean not totally because i felt like shit yesterday too but it helped i wonder why um like i'm not knocking this in any sense but i wonder why people feel the need to uh put like very current day issues into their reviews is it like for the people reading their reviews di- di- well, like... some people view it as a diary I guess. I don't yeah, know if okay. they're writing it for the podcast by any means. Are you saying that when Phil Bernstein wrote his review for Schizopolis, he did not intend Ooh. to have a podcast bring it up years later? Uh, second from the bottom here, RJ. We have Asher, five stars. Uh-huh. Contrived greeting. Explanation of the experimental plot structure. Thought-provoking inquiry about Soderbergh. Approval of the spontaneous production choices and ironic dialogue. Two-dimensional comment about the corporate culture themes. Conclusive reiteration of opinion of the film. Mm-hmm. See what they did there? Uh, I, uh, I'm i aware of what they did there. They, um, Since you brought it up earlier, they gave Enemy. Or it's one of their favorite films. I bet. Yeah. They have other movies, too. Let's see what their half star Grand Torino. <laughs> <laughs> People really hate that movie, eh? I haven't thought about it since seeing it. Yeah, but I, I've noticed like so many people give Gran Torino like half a star or one star, and it's like, why? 
Is it is it bad? I don't know. It's kind of like Mel Gibson. No. That's all I had. Okay. Oh, this person. No, oh, okay. This person's getting into weird, stupid stuff. Like they they just reviewed. You were never really here, and, and the review said Google Epstein. Very topical stuff, Jarrett. Very topical. Huh. Well, okay. Any last thoughts here? On nah. Schizopolis? I mean, I don't like it, but I don't hate hate on it. If that yeah. makes sense, I don't uh, think it's good. No, it's it's not. It's not a good movie. It's, yeah. Uh, yep, it's there. It's in the Criterion Collection. It's definitely there, man. The pen- it's a uh, yeah. yeah. After the break, mm-hmm. we're gonna kill some gurus. What kind? The well, there's no such thing as a good guru, probably. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Take take your pick. Um, Afterwards, scourge. we'll be yep. dragged off by men with her pants off. What are they going to do? Hopefully do something about it. To, to what? RJ, who should yeah. make the Schizopolis remake? Kevin Smith. You can email us at creatureincreeps.gmail.com. Tell us about your your picks to remake Schizopolis. Do it right, you know? Get it right this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. Mm-hmm. We're on YouTube. We're on Patreon. <gasps> Patreon, folks. Yeah. Well, maybe if Pete... See, you know, all these times I joke about Patreon goals that we'll create, I will. If people pay us money, I'll do whatever you feel like. There's nothing weird. We're on SoundCloud, uh-huh. Stitcher, Spotify, uh-huh. iTunes, uh-huh. Google yeah. Play. Sure. All the best in the business. Totally. Next week, RJ. Uh-huh. Spine 200. <gasps> really? Truly. What is it? Is it a good movie? Leonard Castle's The Honeymoon Killers from 1970. Is that good? We're gonna. It's a rewatch for me. Uh, You're gonna find out. Is it on the channel? Is it? I don't know. You tell me. I got the DVD. It might be. Who? Who knows? Is this a good thing? Is this a big thing for us? Uh, (laughs) I mean, we've we've watched 200 spines in a row that's true what do we have like two weeks where we didn't watch a fucking movie what's wrong with us oh it is on the channel nice by Leonard Castle yep 
Oh, okay. It's even got some follow-up stuff, Jarrett, like an interview. Nice. Are you going to watch the interview with actors Tony Mo Bianco and Marilyn Chris? Nope. Okay, good. Awesome. Good to know. Well, thanks, folks. Mm-hmm. Thank Just you. keep living your life. Or not. Surviving. Or not. And uh, good night. Or not. <laughs>